Thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. Well, I'm really enjoying this trending series. I really feel God is equipping us and speaking to us through it. I hope you are too. And today we're going to tackle a topic which is maybe a bit different from some of those we've already talked about, but is a really, really huge issue in our culture and the world around us. And I reckon will be a huge issue in pretty much all of our lives here. Today we're going to talk about busyness. And I have to start here with a cliched preacher's confession, which is that I need to hear this as much as, if not more than, we all do. And I say that because some of you who know me well will hear some of the things I say today and will say, Andrew, you need to do that in your own life. And that's because I, like most of us, am infected by the disease of busyness, which is so prominent in the world around us. We are busy. Many of us this morning, even, I reckon, probably have answered the question, how are you or how was your week, by saying busy. I'm busy. My week was busy. We are busy people. We're busy with work and with overtime. We're busy with housework and DIY and shopping with sports clubs, activity groups, socialising, seeing family, trips away, trips to see friends, taking kids to clubs and classes, keeping up with the latest Netflix series, the latest film releases. We're busy people. And often, actually, as Christians, we can feel that being a Christian makes us even busier Because now we've got to spend time with God as well. We've got to read and pray and we go to church, we go to prayer meetings, we go to connect group, we go to conferences and to to, uh, camps, we get involved in social action, we go serving at church. We're busy, busy people. And yet interestingly, studies show that we might not be quite as busy as we think we are. Statistically speaking, in the modern day, most of us work fewer hours than people have in past generations. That's true if you go back just a couple of decades. It's even more true if you go back a whole century. Statistically speaking, most of us have more free time than people in previous decades and centuries have done. And those of us who have kids, statistically speaking, most of us get to spend more time with our kids than any generations that have gone before us. The reality is that busyness, in part, is a subjective thing. It's about our perception of what's going on or how we view our lives And the reality is that for the vast majority of us, our busyness is our own choice. It is in our control. It's a result of the choices that we make. There are exceptions to this. There's what is sometimes called busyness without control. And that particularly comes and can be caused by economic poverty. So when people are having to be over busy and to overwork purely to have enough to survive, to maintain their own lives and the lives of those who are dependent upon them. But for the vast majority of us, we don't suffer with busyness without control. We suffer with busyness which we control. Actually, it's a result of our choices. For most of us, our busyness isn't necessary for us to maintain our lives. And yet most of us live with this sense of busyness. And it's been shown to affect our work. It's been shown that when we're busy or we perceive ourselves to be busy, when we actually try to do constructive things, we're less effective. It's been shown to affect our health. So extreme busyness and the stress that comes with it is seen as one of the kind of major health issues in the modern Western world. So what's actually going on if we think we're so busy, we feel so busy, and yet the reality is that many of us might not actually be uh, that busy compared to our previous generations. I think the problem is we've got busy hearts. You see, the problem actually is much deeper than what's in our diaries or what's on our calendars. The problem lies much deeper behind the diaries. The problem lies in our hearts and in our minds. The problem is that we've been infected by the disease of busyness. It has come and it's worked its way into us. And the disease of busyness has all sorts of negative effects. We've already seen it affects the way we work. It affects our health. 
but it has a few other really dangerous effects as well. One thing that the disease of busyness does to us is it convinces us that busyness is a marker of success. That to do well, to be successful, you need to be busy. It kind of skews our thinking. For some of us, that's the reason why when people ask us how we are, we say we're busy. Or how our work's been, we say it's been really busy. We feel a sense of pride in that. We feel a sense of importance. We're important because we're busy. There was a study done, I think this year, where um, some uh, psychologists gave people different character profiles. And the profiles were identical, apart from the fact that one character would be deemed busy and the other wouldn't. And consistently it was found that people thought the busy person was more successful and more important. We believe that busyness is a mark of success. And that means that when we tell someone we're busy and they don't give us sympathy and they don't give us pity, we kind of feel indignant. You don't get how important I am. You don't get how busy I am. You should pity me because we see busyness as a mark of success. Another way that busyness kind of changes our thinking, it makes us think that productivity equals success, which means unless you're doing something which is productive, it's not worth doing. And that might be about kind of physical, concrete things, making something. It might be about abstract things, acquiring a new skill or new knowledge. But we don't value things which aren't productive. And that makes us more busy. That means that we don't stop to enjoy restorative rest. We don't stop to enjoy the good creation that God has made with him. It means we don't invest in friendships. One of the reasons that friendships are so poor in the modern Western world is because they're not deemed productive use of time. It's not a constructive thing. We don't value the time we need to put into relationships. But perhaps one of the most worrying and weird and amazing things that the disease of busyness does to us is to convince us or to make us scared of just being and not doing anything. We are scared and uncomfortable with not doing anything. Scared and uncomfortable with being alone and being left with our thoughts. I think you see this at bus stops and stations and in the queues in shops. The fact that as soon as we're left with any bit of waiting, with nothing to do, most of us get out our phones, get on Facebook, get on social media, whatever it might be. We can't bear to be alone with our thoughts. And there was an experiment which was this year, which fascinatingly um, kind of illustrates this. Let me read you this summary from a scientific journal. Participants were left alone in a room for up to 15 minutes. When asked whether they liked the alone time, over half reported disliking it. In subsequent studies, participants were given an electric shock, and they asked if they would pay money to avoid being shocked again. Not surprisingly, most said they would trade money to avoid pain. However, when these same people were left alone in a room for 15 minutes, nearly half chose to self-administer an electric shock rather than sit alone with their thoughts. We have become so uncomfortable with not doing, so uncomfortable with being left alone with our own thoughts, that most of us, or many of us, half of us, statistically speaking, would prefer to give ourselves an electric shock than sit for 15 minutes on our own. We've got a problem. We are infected by the disease of busyness, and it's skewing the way we live our lives. Our hearts and minds are busy, and we need to tackle that. This disease of busyness pulls us away from God's plans for us and God's desires for us. So we need to tackle what's going on behind our diaries, asking the question, why are we so busy? Why do we make ourselves busy? Or even just, why do we feel so busy? For some of us here today, we will need to change our diaries. Some of us, we are doing too much and we need to make a change. And there's kind of a good you know, time management advice we can look at to help us do that. But even there, unless we deal with the root issue, even the best time management advice won't really help us to change. 
For others of us, actually, what needs to change is our perception, not our diaries. The reality is we're actually not that busy, but our perception is that we are busy. For some of us, it might be both. I think for me, sometimes my diary is overly full. I allow too much to be put into it. I'm unhealthily busy. Sometimes I feel busy because my heart is infected with the disease of busyness, even though the reality is I've got plenty of free time in my diary. All of us will need to make changes on the back of today. So we're going to look at God's plan. How is work and rest and uh, busyness meant to fit into life? Where do we go wrong? And then what's actually our response? How do we respond to what God says? And for many of us, this will be the start of a journey. This isn't something that in 30 minutes you can kind of think through, get done and solve. We are swimming against the tide when we're seeking to not live busy lives. This will be a long journey for us. Let me just recommend a couple of books before we dive in. The first one is by Tim Chester. It's called The Busy Christian's Guide to Busyness. This is a truly fantastic book. I found this so, so helpful. He kind of looks at um, a biblical perspective, practical ideas on time management, but really also wrestling with what is at the root of our busyness. What is in our hearts which causes us to be busy? That's a top recommendation. Second one is by Kevin DeYoung. It's called Crazy Busy, a mercifully short book about a really big problem. Again, really, really helpful, a good mix of practical stuff, but also helping us to diagnose what's at the roots of our busyness. Both of those you can order from the resources table out in a coffee box after today's meeting, and they're worth looking at to explore this further. So let's start with God's plan. How should things be? What is God's plan and God's desire for us? Well, God's plan is that each and every one of us both works and rests. Sounds really simple. Both works and rests. And both those things are important and both need to be in their rightful place. Is when we get the balance of the two wrong or the relationship between the two wrong that we start to face problems. And we see this right at the start of the Bible in the stories of creation. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 give us two complementary accounts of how God created the world. And in Genesis 1, we find the end goal, the purpose, the kind of pinnacle of creation was rest, enjoying God's creation with him. This is what it says at the end of that account. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. And as the Bible goes on, it gives in the Old Testament the Sabbath law, the idea that after six days of work, you take a day's rest. And one of the things it roots it in is this pattern that God shows. God's end goal, his purpose in creation was that we would rest with him. We would enjoy the goodness of all that he has made with him. But God's also made us to work. In Genesis 2, in the second creation account, where God plants a beautiful garden in Eden and creates Adam, the first man, and puts him in there, he puts Adam in the garden to work it and to keep it. Work is right there as part of God's good and perfect creation. It's not something that comes in when things go wrong, when humans rebel and God's perfect creation gets damaged. Work is right there at the start. It's God's plan for human flourishing. It's something God wants us to do. And work, it's worth pointing out here, doesn't just mean paid employment. Work in the Bible's mind is kind of like constructively using our time to benefit others. So we are both meant to work and to rest. That should be the regular pattern for us. And it's when those things get out of kilter that we have a problem with busyness. And why does that happen then? Where do things go wrong? Why is it that God's got this good plan for us and yet so many of us don't manage to live in the good of what that is? How do we succumb to this disease of busyness? Well, I think for most of us, at the root of our busyness are wrong beliefs about who God is 
and about who we are. They're lies which are believed or variations of them are believed by the world around us. And so to believe God's truth rather than to believe these lies means we're swimming against the tide. We're going against the grain. It's hard work, but it's hugely important for us to do. And so what we need to do is to identify the lies that are the cause of our busy hearts, which cause us to be busy and to feel busy. And then to ask, what does God say in his word? What is the truth with which we can battle against those lies? And then work to live in light of the truth rather than in light of these lies. So what we're going to do is to look at four different lies which are commonly uh, kind of underlying and behind our busyness. One of them is kind of almost really the heading, the title, and the other three explain the first one. So the first one which underlies the rest is the simple lie that I haven't got enough time. That's what a lot of us feel. Maybe what a lot of us say, I haven't got enough time. We say, if only there was another hour in the week or another day in the, no, an hour in the day or another day in the week. We just say, there aren't enough hours in the day for me to do everything. The problem with saying that is what we're saying when we say that is that God's done something wrong. We're saying God hasn't given me enough time to do the things that he wants me to do. God should have uh, made a 25-hour day. God should have made an eight-hour week. God's made a mistake. When he set the world turning, he should have made it go slightly slower. So we've got that extra day, that extra hour each day. We're saying, God, you've got it wrong, and we've got it right. And normally, that's the wrong thing to say. The truth is that God gives us enough time to do what he asks us to do. Busyness happens when we try to do too much. When we are trying to do more than God wants us to do, the truth is God does not expect us to do more than we are able to do in the time that he has given us. God created time and God created you. God has perfect plans and purposes for your life. He hasn't made a mistake. He hasn't given you too little time. Our busyness comes when we try to do more than God expects us to do. It causes us either to have unhealthily full diaries and calendars or to live with a constant sense of failure because we feel like we're never actually achieving what we're meant to achieve. And I think as Christians, we can be particularly bad at this and particularly unhelpful in this. We put so many expectations on ourselves and on other people. And often that's because we think that if something is good, then we ought to be doing it. Anything that's good, we say, we ought to be doing it. And so we think, well, we should be earning lots of money so we can give lots, which requires lots of time. But we should also be giving lots of time to practically help those in need. We think that we should be taking every opportunity to gather with God's people because that's a good thing. But we also need to give lots of time to get to know those who don't know Jesus and spending time with them. We think we need to learn to study the Bible in great depth, but we also need to spend hours praying about everything that we hear about. We need to be caring for, spending time with our friends and families and our kids. But we also need to get involved in all sorts of different projects and events. Everything that's good, we think that we should be doing. That means that most of us end up doing lots of things badly when God wants us to do a few things well. You see, the thing is, there are lots of good things. There are lots of things that all of us, if we want to follow Jesus, should care about. But actually, God only wants us to do a few things. Kevin DeYoung, his book, really helpfully says, caring is not the same as doing. God wants us to care about lots and lots of things, things that are on his heart. But the reality is he will call each and every one of us only to do some of those things. And Jesus seemed to know this. 
You ever thought this? There were always more people that Jesus could heal or could teach or could preach to. But Jesus didn't stay in one place for years and years until everyone was healed and everyone had heard the good news. He just did what he knew God had called him to do. You see this in Mark chapter 1. I mean, Jesus is in Capernaum, and one evening he heals lots of people, and he sets people free from demons that were oppressing them. And then before sunrise, he gets out, and we're told he goes to a desolate place and is praying. And in the morning, uh, Simon Peter and some other people come to Jesus, and they say to Jesus, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. And what they're saying is, Jesus, all these people, they want to be healed, and you can tell them the good news. No, there's all this good stuff for you to do. And so we expect that Jesus will rush back because it's good stuff. He's going to do it. But Jesus says, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I've come out. Jesus knew there were lots of good things he could do. Wherever he went, there'd be people he could do good to. But he knew that he had to do the things that God was asking him to do and that he only had the time to do that. He knew that God only expected him to do the things that he wanted him to do and he would provide for him the time that he needed. The reality is that most of us are trying to do more than God wants us to do. And that's why we feel busy. That means we need to work out what our priorities are. What is it that God wants you to give your time, your life to doing? And then from that, we shape our diaries. There are some things that God wants all of us to do, things which are the default for Christian life, things like spending time with God, praying, reading the Bible, meeting with God's people. They are kind of the first things that go in for all Jesus followers because they're the things he's giving us to develop our relationship with him. But then there's lots of other good things which will be individually called to. There's lots of things I'm called to do that you aren't called to do, lots of things you're called to do that I aren't called to do. And if we tried to do them all, we wouldn't have enough time. But when we're doing what God asks us to do, he gives us all the time we need. That fundamentally is why we're busy. We're trying to do more than God wants us to. But then we have to ask, why are we doing that? What causes us to try to do more than God wants us to do? And there are three more lies we believe, which I think cause that to happen. The first lie is that I have to be busy or I have to work hard to please God. Some of us do more than God expects us to do because we are trying to please him. We're trying to impress him. We're trying to earn something from him. It's so easy for us to believe that God doesn't really love us or isn't really pleased with us, doesn't really uh, kind of want to draw near to us because we're not doing enough. And in a culture which is obsessed with productivity, that's even easier to believe. To believe that unless I'm being productive for God, he's not happy with me. And if we believe that it's what we do which causes God to love us and to be for us and ultimately to save us, then actually we're left with this constant sense of, have I really done enough? There's always more I should do. I've got to keep going. And we become busier and busier. But the truth which counters this lie, what the word of God says to us, is that our standing before God is based on his grace, not what we do. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 2, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Our standing before God is based on grace. Grace is God's favour given to those who are totally unworthy. It's given as a gift, he says. And the gift is completely different to wages. Wages are something you get in payment for what you do. You get it after doing something. A gift is something you receive regardless of who you are, regardless of what you've done. And he points out that means we can't boast. 
We can't say it's based on who we are. We can't say, look how good we are, that God saves us. No, no, it's all based on what he has done. And what's really interesting as well is what he says in the next verse. He says, for we are his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God does save us to do things. There are things that God wants us to do, but notice he says these are good works which God has prepared beforehand. He knows that God does not expect us to do more than he gives us the time to do. There are things that God has prepared for us to do. They're not the reason he saves us. There's not too much for us to fit into the time, but we're called, following the grace of God, to live out the path that he has set before us. So when we feel tempted to be overly busy, we need to ask ourselves, am I doing this because I think it makes me look good to God? Am I trying to prove myself, trying to please him, trying to impress him and get something from him? And if we are, then we need to remind ourselves of this truth that actually, no, our standing before God is based on his grace, his favor given to us, even though we've done nothing, even though we're totally undeserving. That's one of the lies that sometimes causes us to try to do more than God wants us to do. Here's the next one, which I reckon probably for most of us is the biggest one. I have to be busy or I have to work hard to please other people. We are busy because of the expectations of other people, because we're worried about what other people think. In our society, busyness equals success. It's a way of impressing people, of looking important, of seeming successful. And as I said, that means that many of us, when we say I'm busy, we say it actually, whether consciously or subconsciously, because it kind of gives us this bit of boost. We kind of feel good that we're able to say we're busy, we look important, and we like the sympathy, and we like the pity that we get from it. And someone saying to us, well, actually, I've laid down a load of things recently, I've just not got too much going on, really stumps us. I had a conversation with someone this week who said they had that experience. Someone said to them, oh, actually, you know, not got much going on at the moment. I've taken a bit of a rest on some things. And they said, I didn't know what to say to them. We're so used to busyness being this mark of success that we can't handle it when it's not. We're trying to impress other people. And I noticed this in my own life. Uh, maybe about a year ago now, probably, I realized that when I told people I was busy, it gave me the sense of, yeah, I'm busy because I'm important. And actually, I, I'm successful because of that. And so I made a conscious choice to try and avoid ever answering that question by saying I'm busy. Because I knew that every time I did it, I was feeding myself the lie of, yeah, busyness is good. And I'm impressing other people. I was being busy because of other people. Working late has been identified as one of these kind of markers of success. There are businesses and uh, kind of workplaces all over our country where actually there's an expectation that you work many more hours than you're actually paid to do so. And people who leave on time are looked down upon. I've got a friend who uh, studied law and is doing law stuff, and they have found that. They said that if they are to leave the office at five when they're contracted to leave, everyone kind of thinks it's shocking. Everyone looks down on them as a, a real failure. They're not working hard. And to be honest, again, that's something I've seen in my own life. I had an experience a couple of months ago, probably. I was sitting at my desk at 5.30. I'm contracted to work till five. I finished a task and I thought, okay, what do I need to do now? And I thought, actually, I don't have any kind of urgent tasks to do. Yet I literally caught myself having the thought process of, but I can't go till six o'clock. I've got to work till six o'clock. And I thought, why am I thinking that? I thought, I'm thinking that because I want to impress people. I want people to think Andrew's the one who works latest. Andrew was seeing all these extra hours. I was believing the lie that busyness equals success. And I was letting what other people think about me make me try to do more than God wants me to do. 
A really helpful kind of diagnostic question here is to ask yourself, do you regularly say yes to things when wisdom says that you should say no to them? When people ask you to do things, do you regularly say yes, even though you know that the wise decision is to say no? If you do, chances are it's because you're trying to impress other people. You're trying to please other people. Now, God wants us to serve other people. But there's a big difference between doing something because you love someone and doing something because you want someone to love you. We're called to do things out of love for people. We're not to do things to try and get people to love us. This is what um, the Bible calls fear of man or fear of humans. It's being afraid of what people think about us and caring more about what people think about us than about what God thinks about us. It's the lie that people matter more than God. And ultimately, actually, it's a form of idolatry. We're saying that we worship these people. We value these people's uh, thoughts about us more than we value God's opinion about us. But the truth that the Bible says to us is that it's God's view which matters to us above the view of any human being. We're to live in fear, not of humans, but in fear of God. To love and revere and to worship him, to live in light of who he is and all that he has done for us. There's a great example where Jesus talks about this in kind of classic, heart-hitting fashion. He says, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus is saying, get your perspective right. Don't be controlled by people down here who don't really matter. Think about what God thinks. Live your life for the audience of one, thinking about what God wants you to do. Get your priorities and your perspective right. And this isn't an easy thing to do. On the team here, I'm known for being one of the quickest people to say no to things and for trying to take some control of my diary. And I do that, and sometimes I worry, but what are those people going to think? They're going to think that I'm not helpful. They're going to think I'm not working hard. They're going to think I'm not a nice person. And I have to battle against worrying about what people think about me and actually listen to know what does God say about me and what does God want me to do? I need to know. I need to do what God wants me to do, and he'll give me enough time for that, not the expectations that people put on me. That's why I uh, do try to praise people when they say no to me. If any of you have said no to me about serving or volunteering or doing something, I will have tried my best, even if you'd made life really inconvenient to me, to praise you. Because we need to be able to say no and for that to be an okay thing. And when we say no, when someone asks us to do something, if we made a wise decision, we're listening to God more than we're listening to the lies of we need to get acceptance from people. We need to uh, be shaped by what they do. And it's worth saying here as well that I think it's really important to know that it is right for us to look after ourselves. We mustn't feel guilty about not being busy because we need to look after ourselves. We need to not let that become an excuse for being lazy and for not doing the things that God wants us to do. But actually, the kind of reasoning of, oh, I can do the extra hour, I can give the extra day because I'm the only person who would suffer from it, actually is not good reasoning. It's right that we look after ourselves. So that is one of the priorities in our diaries. So that's the, the second lie which causes us to try to do more than God wants us to do. We're actually worrying about what other people think, other people's expectations. But the word of God tells us the truth is we need to worry about what God thinks of us, not be afraid of those people around us. And the last lie is a bit different. But again, it's something that causes us to try to do more than God wants us to do. It's a lie that I have to be busy, I have to work hard in order to stay in control. This is when we make unwise decisions about our time because we're reasoning, saying things like, well, if I don't do this, then this terrible thing will happen. Or I need to do this so that this will happen. 
We're busy because we're trying to be in control and because we're fearful of what will happen if we're not in control and we don't do all of these things. Ultimately, this is actually another form of idolatry. This time we're making ourselves God. We're saying that we are the one who is in control of all that happens. We are the ones who dictates whether things do and don't happen. We are the ones who hold that kind of power in our hands. But God promises that when we love him and we seek to do what he has asked us to do, he will look after us and he will provide for us. And the Bible tells us that God is in control. And that means that we don't have to be. Again, some words from Jesus in Luke 12. He says, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, oh, you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need of them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. He's saying that God knows what we need. God has promised that he will provide for the needs of his people as we do what he wants us to do. He's not saying we shouldn't work when you sit back. God will provide it all anyway. It doesn't matter. No, no. We're to work and we're to rest. But God has promised to look after us. And to provide of us. God has promised that he is in control. That means that we don't have to be overly busy to try and control everything ourselves. And sleep is a wonderful God-given illustration of this. The fact is that we are created to need sleep. That means there is a good chunk of every day when we are physically unable of being in control. It reminds us every day that we are not God. We cannot be in control all of the time. And yet we live in a country where sleep deprivation is a huge, huge issue, a big health issue. Almost 50% of the UK population try to live on less than six hours of sleep a night. That's up from just 8% in 1942. And again, it's a mark of success. We're really impressed, aren't we? Those people who sleep less than five, six hours a night, we think, wow, it's so impressive. You must get so much done. We're seeing busyness as a mark of success. And people who need a good eight or nine even hours of sleep, we kind of think, oh, that's verging on laziness. That's not a good thing. But sleep is one of the things God is giving us to show us that we are not God. We are not in control. We cannot be in control. And the truth is we can sleep because God doesn't. Psalm 121, these beautiful words says, he will not let your foot be moved. This is God. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He's saying, you can go to sleep. You don't have to be in control because God never sleeps. God is always in control. Friends, when we are overly busy because we're fearful of what will happen if we don't do these things, we're trying to be God. We're thinking that everything depends on us. And we need to remember the truth that God is in control. And he's promised to care and to provide, to do good to us. So we can lay down things and leave them in his hands. So God's plan is that we both work and rest. It's not a kind of either or job. It's not one for the sake of the other. We don't work so we can rest and we don't rest so that we can work. We both work and we rest. But most of us are suffering from busy hearts. Busy hearts which are affecting our work, affecting our health, affecting our families, affecting our friendships. So what do we need to do? How can we change? How can we deal with our hearts and deal with our diaries? 
Well, ultimately, we need to start by dealing with what lies behind our busyness. We need to kind of soberly analyze our lives and ask, why am I so busy? What lies are we believing that cause us to try to do more than God wants us to do? We have to recognize the lies and then we take hold of the truth. We say, okay, what truth has God said to me in his words? And we take hold of that and learn it and memorize it. And we have to speak it to ourselves and ask him to highlight those things to us and help us to apply it to live differently. And this is a long journey. As I've said, for many of us, today will be the start of a journey rather than a kind of get it done right now thing. But here are some things you could do even this week to help yourself on this journey. The first one, perhaps the most important one, is to start each day by asking the Holy Spirit to highlight to you as you go through your day where you're believing lies which are causing you to be overly busy. Okay, you want those light bulb moments like I had sitting on my desk at 5.30 that afternoon. Why am I thinking this? Oh man, I'm thinking this because I'm trying to impress people. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you where are you believing lies and then ask him to remind you of the truth and find the truth in the Bible and stick it on your fridge and on your mirror and preach it to yourself, memorize it so that when you find yourself having the same thoughts again, you've got the truth to battle against the lies. Another thing you can do is to think about your priorities. Spend some time with God. What are the priorities for you in your life right now? There's lots of good things you could do, but what are the things that God wants you to do at the moment? Decide or think with God, what are your priorities? And then look at your diary, look at your calendar, reorganize your life around your priorities. Another useful thing is to keep what's called a time record where for a week you note what you're doing in each chunk of time. And actually it can be really revealing. Many of us, our perception of how busy we are, our perception of how we use our time is actually not very accurate. Do that and see, does the way you use your time match up with the priorities you believe God has given you? Are you actually as busy as you think you are? Are there things in there which are both work and rest? Are there things in there which are helping to restore you in your rest time? Are you using your work time effectively to do what God wants you to do? But the way I'd love us to finish um, this morning is actually by taking some time to make some decisions right here and now. If we make some decisions right here and now, what we're going to do, it's much more likely that we're going to go and do these things during the week. We need to make plans, make decisions. So we're going to put on a piece of music, which is just two or three minutes long. And while that piece of music is playing, I just want each of us to think through some of this stuff. It might be you need to think through some of those lies which will come up on a slide behind me. It might be you need to ask, Holy Spirit, which of these lies am I believing? And what truth do I need to know? For some of us here, our busyness is actually sinful. It's a result of believing lies about God, not having faith in him. And we need to repent, actually. We need to say, God, I know that what I've been doing is wrong because I've been failing to trust you. But I'm going to turn and strive to live your way by the help of the Holy Spirit. Think about what lies there. Think about what you need to do this week, how you need to reshape your diary around your priorities. Think about why you're busy and what you're going to do. And say to yourself, what are you going to do? And maybe even actually when we finish, even say it to the person next to you. What are you going to do this week to make a difference in your life in relation to this topic? So guys, if we could play that piece of music, please, and put that slide up. Let's take a few minutes to see what God wants to say to us.
want to finish off by praying, if that's okay, just before we go through to Coffee Box. So God, we thank you for this message this morning. We thank you for what Andrew has spoke to us about being busy. God, I thank you that you have given us the ability to say yes, but the ability to say no as well, and equally are just as powerful. Lord, I pray that off of the back of what we've heard, Lord, those Holy Spirit moments this week, Lord, please speak to us at different times. Lord, make us aware of, of why we say yes and why we say no, Lord, and help us make wise, wise choices for our busyness and for our time. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.